You're listening to American Citizens, a Manchester City podcast by American journalists. Sterling. Tight, but he keeps it in, and De Bruyne is there! And it is dead level now. Manchester City are still alive here. Balotelli, Aguero! And now here's your hosts, Josh Webb and Gray Papke. Hello and welcome to the American Citizens Podcast. My name is Gray. I'm with Josh. And unfortunately, you're stuck with just us this week. We don't have a guest. We apologize for that. Yeah, I think uh, we kind of needed a full week off after last week's awesomeness. But... We're just gearing up for what next week brings, which I anticipate will be as equally off. Well, maybe not equally as awesome because Ace on like I'm, I'm such a fan on a deep personal level. I love his style, but I I absolutely love what David Mooney and does uh, and the Blue uh, Blue Moon podcast guys. And we have David Mooney coming on next week to talk Manchester City with us. And uh, you would know him from ESPN FC as well, uh, the Manchester City righty for them, as well as the host of Blue Moon Podcast. And uh, I think that's going to be an outstanding episode. So I kind of felt, or we kind of felt like... Uh, we needed to, to to sort of take a, a more relaxed approach this week, yeah? Yeah, and that's quite all right. We can we can entertain you for a bit. And um it's it's been a comparatively quiet week. There haven't really been any new rumors that have come out. There are a couple which we will talk about, but it's been a lot more of the same. So we're we're gonna start with that and we're going to start with the guys who have already been linked, which is um, John Stones and Leroy Sané, who appear to be coming. Literally in the last hour before we started recording this, um, the sporting director of Schalke has confirmed that Leroy Sané has asked to leave the club and he wants to go to England. Uh, Carlo Ancelotti at Bayern Munich has pretty openly said that we're not signing the player. So it appears to be City. Um, and that you would expect now that this is out from the club, this is probably going to come together a little bit more quickly within the next week or two. And I'm excited. I, about this I would expect sooner than that. I, I don't. I don't think it'll take a week. I, I don't. I don't think Pep Guardiola, with the way that the transfer window has gone. Uh, just in terms of the difficulty of negotiations. I mean, we haven't even touched on the comments that came out about Benucci today. 
which were basically uh, kiss our ass. He ain't going anywhere. Um, I just feel like even with Bayern backing out, if Real decide that they want Sine, which I don't think they will because it didn't, was it AS or Marca ran, you know, right on the front page with Real asking Pogba to be patient while they wait up uh, the, the, the possibility of going in against United uh, with that ungodly feed. I believe that, you know, Real, I believe that was, uh, I think that was AS. Yeah, I thought it was AS. Um, but, uh, I, I would imagine that City would probably want Sine in before the, the second preseason game, no? Yeah, I think that they had hoped, and this applies to both Stones and Sine, I think they hoped that they'd be on the plane to China. I'm not sure how realistic that is at this point, particularly on Stones, who, you know, also appears close, but how close, we don't really know. But... I think they would like to have them in China. And I think uh, they're they're going straight there from Munich tomorrow, so they're racing against time. But you'd think in the next couple days, I don't know how far, if part city are on the sea for Sané. Apparently Schalke are holding out for 50 million euros. Um, I don't see any real reason why they wouldn't pay up at this point. But, you know... It seems close, and it seems like, you know, they play in less than a month. They play a meaningful game in less than a month. They're going to want to get these guys in as soon as possible. Yeah, especially because now that we've seen the list of of City's potential opponents in the in the cha- uh, Champions League playoff spot, uh, the squad as currently comprised could could probably beat any one of those opponents, but would you feel comfortable if, say, the, because I know that there was a lot of worried about Shakhtar, but I believe there was a tweet that said City could not play Shakhtar. They would not be one of the available opponents, but, but Monaco, I believe, were still on the list, and I I just I wouldn't want to see Monaco. It was Shakhtar and someone else, and I don't remember who. And now it's going to bother me, so I'm going to try to find it. But um, yeah, they, that's another important thing that we're overlooking is that that's coming up, and they can't afford yeah. to lose that. They no, can't. no, they cannot afford to that's, lose those that. Those are the two most important games. Yes, those are the two most important games that they're going to be playing in the first month of the season by quite a fair bit. Yeah, and, and you know, if you're going to integrate these guys right away and you're going to, to, to vary City's attacking approach and, and these guys are are players that you've earmarked, which Sané and, and John Stones have been uh, names on the list basically since we got an actual realistic list of, of Guardiola's transfer targets. They, they've been on the list since day one. So 
with the way things are going with Benucci, um, which I guess we can get into in in a little, but with the way things are going with Benucci and the way things went with Laporte, at this point, once once Sane or John Stone signal their intent, like at a certain point, you just you, Meet the valuations, you know, don't get hung up in negotiation. This, this should be the easy part. You know, the, the hard part with a lot of these players is getting them to agitate for a move. Because in many cases, it goes against the personality of the player and, and against maybe their, their culture, how they were brought up. You know, you just, you don't agitate for a move. It's like looking sometimes a gift horse in the mouth with with some of these players who were given their first opportunities in life with these clubs. And, and there's an understandable sense of loyalty. So now that City have gotten over that hump with a guy like Schalke, who, you know, Pitt got Schalke on, on the City Watch podcast. He pointed out, look, man, Schalke have a very rich history of churning out uh, tremendously talented German internationals. You know, Manuel Neuer falls on that list. Uh, I think this is one of the names he gave. And you, you got Leroy Sané as another one. Um there, there are some really, really uh, Benedictivitis, I believe, Schalke. There, there are some really talented players that come through the Schalke system. And if, if, if City has gotten to the point where Sané is now ready to, to, to move, to me, to my mind, this should be the easy part. Just get it done. You know, I think fans just want to see a player of the quality of Sané and Stones brought in. Because thus far, as good as Gundogan is, he's injured. So that really takes all the the sort of oomph out of the move because you're not going to get to see him for a while, and, and you know, the Premier League with as physical as it is, there's going to be a lot of people who I think are even worried if he'll stand up to it. I'm not necessarily as worried. His back does concern me just because I have back problems and I know how bad they can be, and I know that, you know, on a cold British morning, uh, 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 it, against, you know, like a team like Stoke who played, you know, so damn physical and fight for every ball, I can understand how Ilke Gundogan could injure his back again. So that has me concerned a little, but I think my bigger problem is, is that City just haven't, as it's felt to me, been very successful in this transfer window. Uh, they're either just flat out getting told no, or clubs are pricing them to the point where City are, are like, ah, even though we've wanted this guy since day one, this is going to be too much for us. And it's just like, well, then what was the point of that damn Chinese deal? Yeah, and I think that some things came out that they didn't want to come out. I think Benucci is the only one that 
they're really getting stonewalled on, which I think the Obama-Yang leaks came from someone else, and it was never as close as it was said to be. And I think Bill Valve and uh, and Laporte is another one that I'm thinking of. Who who what? Bill Bow and Laporte. That thing oh, yeah. st- stonewalled there. Like oh, that was that was the player deciding at the last moment that all of a sudden that he no longer that he couldn't didn't want to make the move. Right, I don't, right. And I'm not. I don't blame the club for that. That's not. I there's nothing they can do about that. I, I just want to clarify, I'm not blaming the club in any capacity. I'm just saying for one reason or another, whatever it's been, City, it feels like, haven't had a lot of positive momentum in this transfer window, you know? They they really had, they've been waiting on a lot of these players to agitate for moves, and and it's taken a while for them to do it, you know, um, understandably so. But but it it's it has felt, and I'm sure that to a certain a point you can uh, you know see what I mean that City have hadn't ha- or haven't had the best of luck in the transfer window as it pertains to to normal negotiation. Like, it feels like this transfer window has been more of a struggle when you compare it to last year where the only thing they didn't get was Pogba. Like, you look at who they signed Pep Guardiola, and then the very first thing Pep Guardiola couldn't do was get a Spanish talent to move. Like, that, that's, you know, sort of a, and I don't blame anyone for it, but when that's the very first thing that happens, you know, you sort of feel, well, that's, that's, that's typical city. You know, that would happen. And so I just feel like with United possibly prepared to do whatever it takes, sign a deal with the devil to bring somebody like Pogba over, I'm not saying that City need to keep up with Joneses in any way because they have a different plan, and we did talk with Aeson about that. The plan is more important than signing 11, you know, world-class players. City still need to start gaining some positive momentum because United with Mourinho, look, Zlatan may not be a, a world-class signing uh, like he would have been six years ago, but he's still a pretty damn good signing, and I think we can both agree that Mkhitaryan, it, it does represent a very quality signing for United um, and if they do sign Pogba, they're, let, I'm, I refuse to be that guy who's, who's going to say, oh, he's, he's never that good anyway. Not going to happen. Like, that that will sting if that occurs. Um, what, regardless of whether or not he grew up in their youth system, don't give a damn. If United get their hands back on him after – I don't know how many years of us saying that Pogba was a target and then we don't do it. <clears throat> um, and, and some of these other guys, you know, maybe do or don't get done. 
it just sort of tips the balance just a little bit. And, and, and some of that momentum you feel will slide towards United's way. And I don't know, man. Then it'll all, the narrative all of a sudden will turn into what's up with Pep Guardiola and why is he having a problem recruiting at City? Yeah. And I think, and again, I'm not saying that you're saying this because you clearly clarified that you wouldn't. I would be furious if they were doing transfer business based on what United are doing. I would hate that mentality. I would hate it. Um, but, you know, I think within the next week, you're looking, I think, at a realistic chance of signing two very good players in Stones and Sané, and the narrative shifts back. So I don't know that, you know, I don't think this is the end of the world or anything like that. And I don't think that... I think at the end of the window, we're going to be all right, because I think there's an added wrinkle and, you know, I know we're talking about sort of perception and things like that. Um, But I think at the added wrinkle city had the better squad than United last year, but they did not perform to the standard that they could have. So I think, and I probably sounds a little stupid to say that all the teams that finished both with 66 points and like, well, city are still ahead. I, it's, I think that, City's squad has more room to go up than United's last season squad. They have had a very good transfer window, and I do not dispute that one bit. Um, But, you know, I think the squad has a higher ceiling than United, at least on the evidence of last year. I, I I I would think that's largely dependent, though. Wouldn't you agree or maybe you won't agree, on getting, injecting some of that youthful talent in at those key positions. Because obviously, for all of the youth that they have, it, the fact that they're pressing so hard on two center backs, and, and, you know, we can talk about it now if you want, like, clearly the, the club do not rate Denayer, as Asan has, has brought up several times. There's something there, you know, like the fact that we keep moving and we know that guys like Humphreys and Adebayor are probably going to be going out on loan to get more experience. So wouldn't, wouldn't getting those guys in and injecting that talent sort of be the, 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 the real need yeah, and I think we might as well go to it now because we're all on the topic. Um, we're, we're on what, you know, second, third regime, and Denaire still can't get a look in. And at some point, you know, I don't want, I don't really like the Chelsea mentality of buy young players loan them out repeatedly and sell them for a profit a couple of years later. I don't like it. I understand why clubs do it. It makes complete sense from a business perspective, but I don't think it's good for the player. I fear that's what's happening here. And I don't, I'm not suggesting that this is going to become Manchester city club policy in years to come or anything like that. But, um, I just, I, you know, he has to play. There's no two ways about it. He has to play somewhere. And, is he open to going on loan again? I don't know. They have already asked him to do that a lot. 
uh, apparently this just came across the wire that Galatasaray have joined Arsenal in the race. Uh, the Turkish club has asked for Denayer back on loan. I mean, that's not a surprise. As far as I know, he did well for them last year, so it makes sense. But um, they, you know, it's... He was supposed to be in the squad last year until they went out. They signed Otamendi toward the end of the transfer window. They tried to loan out Mangala, but he wouldn't go. And then they had Di Michaela still on, under contract. So they've already basically squeezed him out once, and it looks like that all signs are pointing toward that happening again. And if you're Jason Denayer, you're thinking, look, I have a career that I need to kickstart somewhere. And I don't want to be going on loan every season. I would like to be somewhere where, you know, there's I stable with a plan with like where I'm actually going to be with the club that wants to develop me. So, you know, I think if you're him, you have to seriously look at it. I know he just signed a new contract. I think, what was it, last summer or whatever it was. But... You have to look at your for the good of your career. How many more years are Manchester City going to make you sit around and wait? Especially when they're buying, in all likelihood, a defender. Real quickly, go ahead. If you're the mayor, how pissed are you already? Because you signed that deal last year. We're kind of just skipping over the fact that he didn't think he was going out on loan last year. Right. I, that's a, yeah. And, and again, you're sitting here watching as Manchester City are about to sign, a, pay $50 million for a 22-year-old defender at the same position that you play. And you have to be thinking, where do I fit in? Do I even fit in at all? Should I be looking to move on for the good of my career? And I think, sadly, the answer may well be yes for him. I'm kind of inclined to agree with you, actually. Which, because, you know, which, what, which frustrates. How many years? How many years is? Yeah, how many years are City going to make you keep sitting there waiting for an opportunity when you're already a Belgium international, for better or worse? Um, you have played in the Champions League and at club level. You know, it's just like, what else do I have to do to prove that I'm worthy of a first team place? If that's not enough for you, maybe I should go somewhere else. Yeah, um, I think that that if – let me back up here. It, it, it would take an incredible amount of massaging, but I think that at the very most, City and and I'm you're gonna have to send in like Pep Guardiola and maybe Caldoun plus a phone call from from Monsoor maybe or an email just an email will probably do to say listen we just need you to develop just a little bit further we promise that if you go on loan again one last time. That moving forward, if if we're not comfortable with where you're at when you come back, we promise to move you on and and we will work with you directly to find a club 
that you know you want. We we will we will repay the loyalty that you showed us <clears throat> when you re up the five year deal. When to be honest, he probably could have left and gotten first team football at a number of clubs in the prem at that point. But he opted to re-sign with City and, and then was surprised with a a sort of ambush law or loan move to Galatasaray where he got, you know, sort of inducted into a new position um by fire. Um and, and I don't know. I, I think it would take a silver tongued set of negotiations with a lot of assurances um to to either bring him into the fold as a starter and a regular squad rotation player or an agreement to move him on. Um and that would be <clears throat> like maybe the very best case scenario. But it feels like, to me, I sort of agree with Asan in that it feels like City do not rate him. I I don't know. At least not to the standard of what they are looking for from their first team. If they, I think if they rated an air highly enough to like think that he could start right now, they would not be signing two defenders or trying to sign two defenders this window. I think there's no question about that. Um, and you know, I don't want to spend too long talking about Benucci because there's not, I don't think there's a lot to say. Um, we don't know what's going to happen. It's almost impossible. It's, it's, it's all conjecture. Yeah, and it, it went, it all, it all gone a bit quiet until yesterday when all of a sudden there was just this giant wave of reports in the English media that, and uh, both the English and Italian media, which I found interesting, um, that said that, you know, the move was getting closer and the player was interested in the move and yeah, yeah, yeah. And then today, DeMarcio, Juventus will not sell. And it's just, <laughs> there's nothing to say at this point. I still don't think it happens. But I don't really know what else to add to that because it's just a bunch of, you know, hearsay and conjecture and conflicting everything. Yeah, I I don't – it's sort of I, – I just don't get it, I think, is my problem. I find frustration with the fact that Denayer has, for better or for worse, seem to have done well everywhere he's been given the opportunity to play. Now, I will admit that he did have a a bad game um you know with with Belgium uh but um I I just I feel like Denayer is one of those guys who is going to get caught up in in the great washing machine that is uh, the sports business, and he's just going to get spat out somewhere and do well, and I'm going to be looking at it saying, you know, City had this guy, and and for better or worse, did everything possible to let him know that he was never going to play for them. Like, 
they're going to the city almost feel like they're single handedly motivating Denayer to go on and become world class with another club. I think uh, if they can get him to take one more year alone, I'd like to see them loan him to a Premier League club. No, no more of the Scottish League or the Turkish League. Let's let's put him at the top level. I wouldn't mind him. Germany, actually. Yeah, I'll Germany's take right. I'll take Germany. If if you can, but I think you need to put him in one of the big leagues. I think that you know, no disrespect to the Scottish League or the Turkish League, but they're not at the same standard. And if they can get him to take one more loan, I would like to see him. Preferably in England, but definitely. You know what I? You know what my dream scenario would be. What's that? Atletico uh, have a sudden need for a cornerback, and Diego Simeone approaches uh, Manchester City about taking Denayer on loan. I would, I would be good with that. Just I, different I, style, but I would. Yeah, I'll teach him how to defend. That's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I, I'm not. I'm not necessarily as, as you know worried about the style. I, I mean, I understand why why that would be important, but if if defending is the issue rather than, than his ball distribution, because as I seem to recall, Denayer's a pretty proficient passer. Most Belgians usually are. Um. Uh. If. If 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 he's not being rated, I feel like it's the, the the defending that may bother people, and and so if he can be taught by Simeone, you know that I uh, I don't know that would just make me happy. I mean, either that or we loan him to Chelsea. They can play all those. Th- they can play three at the back with him. Well, I'll take I'll take this opportunity since we're on the Denaire subject because this came up yesterday, and we said that we would discuss some of the uh, newish transfer rumors. Um, so yesterday it came out um, Arsenal are interested, and this is the Sun, so take it with a grain of salt. But Arsenal are interested in Denaire, and um, Manchester City are interested in Hector Bellerin, and he is interested in moving to Manchester City. This seems extremely implausible to me, but I would make that swap in a in a second, personally. Yeah, I would totally be okay with that. Um, if 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 we've gotten to the point where we accept that City are just going to loan him out again anyway, and likely may move him on, then the next best option is to skip the middleman, let Wenger worry about his development, and use that as a make-weight in, in a trade involving, you know, Bellerin. Because that solves City's need for uh, a, a, a defender, obviously, and Bellerin is somebody who will... You know, just by virtue of playing under Del Bosque, <laughs> have an understanding of what the basics of what Guardiola is going to be asking. So, um, and on top of that, Arsenal's style of football isn't, you know, I mean, the bar in the formation, sure, but it's not 
so much different, actually, from what Pep plays. Uh, you know, there's a lot of tremendous ball movement, really clever passing. Uh, yeah, and the, as, as far as the, uh, when, when there was conjecture of which English club would go to, the Arsenal argument was basically, well, they already play the most stylistically similarly to a Guardiola team. Of yeah. The top of yeah. England. Yeah. Yeah, actually, that's sort of what inspired inspired that uh, whole line of reasoning there. So, if if Bellarine wants to come, and Arsenal are really in the need of of a, a center back, then I think this trade sort of makes its own sense. You know, like if if you're already going to go out and get yourself two center backs. Then just make this trade and, and, and you bring in the fullback that you say you need and you then pursue and spend, you know, an exorbitant amount of money on a defender not named Benucci because apparently Juventus have no interest in selling regardless of whether or not City meet their demands or not, which just seems strange to me because the narrative yesterday is that city were approached about this deal in the surf in the first place. So right. I, it's so confusing to me why Juventus would then be so stubborn about it. I, I think it has to be one of those situations where I think that the deal leaking is, is, and I, and I, you've talked about that before, you know, it, the deal getting out can often basically kill it, like because then all of a sudden the, the you know Italian fans are like, "I'm sorry, you're thinking of doing what? Like, were you even watching the Euros?" And and I would get it because if I were a Juventus fan right now, I'd be throwing things and I'd want Giuseppe Murata you know, uh, uh, put in the stocks after uh, if he were to sell Benucci to City. <clears throat> but at the same time, like Gab Marcotti has raised on, on several different podcasts, Juventus also have a, a, a young Italian defender in the squad whose name escapes me right now. I think Ruggiani, I, I, I think. Uh, Daniele Ruggiani, I think. Yeah. Who are yeah, he, who is expected to be the next world-class Italian defender, and at some point they're going to have to blood that kid. And if you want to keep Chiellini, <clears throat> who, to be honest, I think Chiellini is is sort of more important to, to Juventus. I think he and Barzali, um, you know, I, I, I realize that Benucci is... is is amazing and world class, but I just it feels to me like Chiellini is is might be the more loved. You know, they're all loved, but I think he might be like the favorite of the three. So Benucci is one like nobody's gonna take Barzagli. You know, <laughs> he's he's old enough to to only really be able to play in Serie A. Nobody's gonna take him off their hands, but. Benucci, yeah, makes all the sense in the world why why City would want him. I think the deal just got out. I don't think that Juventus supporters will accept that they are a selling club, or at least that perception. 
I just don't, you know, it, it, I don't believe that they, because they're, they're not, they shouldn't be. They don't have to be. Um, but um, with Bellerin, they I mean, had Bayern. They had Bayern. They did. They they played in the Champions League final year before this past season, and they took Barcelona, one of the great Barcelona sides, pretty close to the limit. So it's not like this is some inferior club in some inferior league that needs the money. They don't. No, they but, yeah. they don't they don't need the money nor do I think that they necessarily have anything less than Champions League ambitions. You look at the players they've brought in, you know, to their mind, I think they'd rather keep Pogba and then have a midfield three of Pogba, Pjanic, and Kadira. Like, holy I crap. Think still trying to, I think they're still trying to keep Pogba, honestly. Yeah. You know, it's, they, they don't. That's why we're talking world record fees. They don't really have any incentive to sell anyone. They can afford to bring in players without, you know, not obviously they can't spend world record fees, but they can afford to bring in a few players young um, and not take a financial hit for it. I I feel like, all right, I mean, there's really no way to be unbiased about this situation, but try to, as much as you can, remove the City United equation from this. If you are Paul Pogba, regardless of what wage is being offered, do you, when you look at joining United, you're saying, okay, for all intents and purposes, I'm going to be playing in a midfield with Schneiderlin, Wayne Rooney, possibly, uh, uh, and uh, Bastian Schweinsteiger. You know, um, if you're Paul Pogba, do you want to come to United where Jose Mourinho plays a much more defensive style of football, not really meant to feature... I, I mean... Pogba can obviously and will obviously impact and feature in games and teams will still have to play around him. But the main focal point of a Jose Mourinho team is not an offensive master class. Um, so if you're Paul Pogba and you're looking at that situation and then your alternative is I mean, you could obviously join Real, who are the, the world, you know, or the, the 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 cup holders, excuse me, European cup holders have Cristiano Ronaldo. You know that you'd be able to dominate in that midfield, and you'd be playing along some really great talent. Or you look at Juventus, and and you'd be playing alongside Marilyn Pjanic, who we kind of both thought would be a much, much better value pick if Manchester City had tried to target him instead of Paul Pogba. And, and, you know, while everyone else was trying to steal Paul Pogba, Juventus went and were like, yeah, you know what we're going to do? We're going to sign the next best guy out there, and we're going to put him right alongside Pogba. And, oh, guess what? 
Now we have a frickin' midfield of Sammy Kadira, Paul Pogba, and Miralem Pjanic. Suck it. Along with our back three that we have, like, if if they can get any, any kind of production to replace Alvaro Morata, Juventus, to my mind, they already are, like I remember hearing on uh, ESPN FC, they already are fourth favorite, but they're still trying to, to, you know, they're looking at some attacking options, and there's a possibility, like I heard they were being, you know, possibly connected to Kareem Benzema. Uh, and, and if that happens, like if Juventus were able to get their paws on a guy like Benzema or Higuain or something, uh, holy crap, dude. Like, I, how, I mean, Higuain would obviously miss in the final because that's what he does, but there's still a number of other people that would be there to, to help Juventus score while, while Higuain is blowing important games. So, if you're Paul Pogba, which one would you honestly take? They're after Higuain, as far as I know. But if, What's that? Uh, from a, well, pardon? What was, what did you just say? They said Juventus are after Higuain, as far as I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why the, I brought the fees him up. are the fees are ridiculous, but they are after him. Um, from a purely competitive standpoint, the teams that I think are—it's a very short list of teams that I think are equally or better positioned to win the Champions League than Juventus. I think Real Madrid. I think Barcelona. I think you can make a case for Atletico Madrid. I think Bayern Munich. After that, I'm not, you're getting into, I don't, you know, who in England is? I don't think anyone in England is. Manchester United, beyond the fact they're not even in the Champions League, their their squad is not as good, I don't think. So, you know, I think moving to Real Madrid makes all the sense in the world from a purely competitive standpoint. And I think Man United, they obviously have the financial muscle and they have the manager capable of building them back up to that level, but they're not there yet. So, you know, I think if you're trying to win the Champions League this year, I, you're either staying at Juventus or moving to Real Madrid if you're Paul, if you're Paul Pogba. If that's your sole singular this year. And I actually think that Juventus are more strongly positioned than Real Madrid to win the Champions League because I do not think Real Madrid were the best team in Europe last year. As a matter of fact, I I truly believe that City should have beaten them. City could have, you know, Atletico could have beaten them. I think mm -hmm. Bayern would have beaten them if they had made it to the final. Mm -hmm. But with that said, you know, it, you, you luck is always a part of Champions League, and you just accept that. You know, Real are the champions. But I think this year, nobody <clears> – <throat> Zidane was sort of – I don't think people were taking Real as seriously toward the end of the season because so many people – had made them out to be a joke under Florentino Perez. Like, you know, here comes Zidane. Like, look, you know, they're trying to recreate what Barca did with Guardiola. Like, they have have no originality, yada, yada, yada. You read all the same stuff I did. And Zidane just quietly went about his business getting results. 
how, however they eat their way through, they still manage to do it, but they never convinced anybody. So I think to some degree, Real almost kind of caught people off guard with how much better they were. Like, as as impossible as that sounds, like, to imagine people underrating Real Madrid, I think that the media had done an excellent job of painting the club as one of complete and utter disarray with a tyrant at the top who had no idea what he's doing, but who now has two European crowns inside the last five years, both of which were at the expense of, of their crosstown rival. You know, like, this Florentino always seems to pull a rabbit out of a hat, and and... It's hard to depose a guy like that when he magically keeps coming up with the results that they need. But I don't know if Real are as as positioned this year now that people are not going to, oh, like, oh, okay, you can win the Champions League with this squad. Well, you know, now you're going to get our absolute best every week. I am not sure tactically that that Zidane is as good as some of the other coaches in La Liga yet. Yet. I think Zidane will be a a a fine manager. I mean shit happened. Winning the Euro uh uh winning the UEFA Champions League in her first season while getting the job mid season uh, is a pretty impressive feat in and of itself. I, I, so I think it's safe to assume that he's probably on to do some, some pretty impressive things, but I just don't know that Real are so positioned to win right now compared to Juventus. Like, if I'm looking at Juventus, if, if, if they really have dug in their heels and they're saying Benucci's going nowhere, then you already got a reminder of just how good that back three are um, in, in, in the Euros this year. And Pogba will be sure, surely aware of Pjanic's talent and likely be very thrilled to play alongside him. And when healthy, Sammy Kadira is an extraordinarily great pivot. And if you have a midfield like that with any kind of attacking options up at the top, then I, I, I think all of a sudden you probably maybe look at Juventus and say, it, this is a team that could very reasonably beat Barcelona. Like they've got a midfield that can compete. Pjanic, Pogba, and Kadira, like, that is a ridiculous midfield. No matter how you slice it and hack it, that is a midfield that can bully you, score impressive goals, and pass with the very best of the best. And then if you have any sort of competency in the front three, and I know, you know, I know they lost Murata and Zaza's they still, confidence. They still have Jaibala up there. Yeah, hey, hey, 
Hey, dude, they still have Zaza up there, too, Simone Zaza, and his confidence has got to be at an all-time high after his last performance. So, But, yeah, no, but I like Paulo Dybala, too, but they prefer to play a two-striker setup <coughs> uh, up at Juventus, and so I think it'll be curious to see who they, like, if they get Higuain to go with Dybala, I mean, that's going to be just a pathetically depressing team to play against. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So, I don't think we have anything else on Benucci. It's just, it's not moving. It's not going. Um, and this, like, as far as the transfers go, that pretty much covers it. So, well, really, there is really uh, yeah, Mars. Uh, Mares is not going to happen. <laughs> Let's just put that out there right now. <laughs> I don't. I don't understand. You know, I, there have been some. Suddenly, Navas is apparently being shopped to Sevilla. I just. They don't have enough games for all these guys. They've got you know Sterling, De Bruyne, Silva, Nolito, Nasri is still there. Navas is still there. They don't have enough games for all these guys. They're not going to sign Mares unless they sell someone else. It's not going to happen. Agreed, agreed. And really, we've sort of talked about, like, okay, yay, they signed him and he will go on loan uh, to to Sociedad for a year. Um, seems stupid, but okay, cool. One for the future, I guess. Uh, but I know that you anxiously want to get into the topic about fire. Uh, yes. Because we're, we're we're playing, uh, as we speak here, in less than 24 hours as we record, Manchester City will be playing an actual football game that will be counted. It's a friendly, of course, but um, off to Munich to play Bayern. So this is the question that I wanted to pose, and I will answer it as well. But, you know, this is the first time we get to see, and obviously a lot of the first team will be missing. We know that. But this is the first time we will get to see Manchester City line up for a competitive game under Pep Guardiola. What do you want to see from them? It can be as simple as no one getting hurt, or it can be as complex as a tactical system. What are you most interested in for the game on Wednesday? What are you most interested in seeing? I'm going to surprise you a bit with my answer. Mistakes. Okay. Mistakes are what I'm most excited to see. Okay. Um, and there's a very key reason for this. Uh, this is a friendly, first of all. And, and, and though, you know, being a city supporter and a city fan, uh, I want to see city. It's so weird to be able to say that, you know, that it's an accepted practice in soccer that you can do this. In American media, this is just not not allowed at all. Um, but uh, as a city supporter, I I uh, I want to see them win everything, you know, like that. That's just I'm I'm one of those guys that I don't care if we're playing a game of pong. Like I I want to win. <clears throat> um. But I don't really necessarily care what happens because 
I think that Bayern are just leaps and bounds ahead of where City are right now. <clears throat> and what Guardiola is going to be asking City to do is it's just such a departure from what Pellegrini did outside of the possession base. And even then, Guardiola's teams have much more movement about them with possession. Pellegrini's possession was sort of pointless side-to-side movement. Um, I, I, I think that the mistakes that we're going to see that's the stuff that Guardiola is going to then just go back and say, all right, this is what we need. I need you to get this, 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 and this done in the transfer window. And I want to see this, this, and this guy stay with the team uh, through China. You know what I'm saying? Um, th- these are the things that, that I want to see, and that's going to come as a result of the mistakes. Until we see the mistakes and where guys are not fitting in with what Guardiola wants to try, we are not going to know what needs to be fixed moving forward. This would be the first time either of us really see what a Guardiola coach city team is going to look like with a squad of players who, let's be real, did anyone expect Wilfred Bonney and Alex Kolarov to still be on the flipping roster right now and going to play? Did anybody expect that? I mean, did you? No. I thought okay. they would be close. I thought they would be either out the door or much closer to being out the door by now. Right. Being withheld from training, at least. And these guys are on a plane going. There's no, like, we haven't even really heard anything with Bonnie. I mean, only until recently. But it's like, it's been Apparently, Swansea Swansea are interested, and that's it. Hmm. Well, yay. Um, Yeah. I just, we thought this team would look a lot different, so now I'm curious to see what this Guardiola squad is going to look like. And some of these players are going to be used, you know, in that Guardiola way where you're like, you're, I'm sorry, you're using Wilfred Bonney as a right back? Um, you know, sort of stuff like that will happen with Guardiola. Like, we know that those sort of odd, weird things are going to take place. Um, but I think that he will be doing a little of that in this friendly against Bayern, trying to figure out what he has and what he doesn't have. And then it'll be pretty telling in game two uh, when you compare and see what's changed. So that's why I'm excited for, for mistakes. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, my answer is a bit more conventional. I know a lot of people will say, which tactic he, how he tactically lines them up, uses three at the back. That's going to change in all likelihood. He's going to be experimenting. I would not read that much into it. It'll be interesting, but I wouldn't read an extensive amount into it. Um, I am interested in seeing what youngsters he picks. 
And again, that might not really mean anything either, he, who he has at his disposal. But these are players that he has had the opportunity over the last few weeks to get a very good look at, start to become familiar with what they're capable of, what they're not capable of, who might probably already has an idea of who might have a future at this level and who probably doesn't. And the uh, the touring squad for China came out today, and there are obviously there's a fair amount of youngsters in it. Um, both of the Garcias, Cameron Humphreys, Tosin like that name kills me even though I know how to pronounce it, Adarabayo, um, Angelino, and a lot of several other players, Mafeo's in there. But I'm interested to see which of them get picked and over the course of the entire preseason continue to get picked. Because I think he will want to, he's going to want at all possible, he's not going to force it, but I think he will want to at least get some of these guys around the first team this season. So I'm looking forward to seeing who he plays tomorrow and who he seems to, and what roles they're going to be playing. Because I think he's going to use this as an opportunity to experiment and with that, we might get something of a look at, you know, what he's thinking as far as what he's going to do with some of these players. And, um, I mean, it would be nice if they won. It would be nice if they played well. I don't really care if they don't. I would rather they do. But, you know, at the end of the day, this matters more about fitness, not getting hurt, and learning. Seeing, seeing the new style, right? I mean, that's right. Isn't that the most exciting thing to see? I want... I want to. I know how good Bayern can be. You watch them move the ball, and and I want. I I am ready for the day when City have that ball pinging around, passing like like you you think of when you think of Guardiola teams. Um, I'm really, really, really excited to see just how far along they are in that process. I agree with that. I'm looking, I'm, I don't think I've ever been this excited about a preseason friendly, especially since half the first team isn't even there. So I'm looking forward to this very much. And we will definitely be reacting. We'll be live tweeting it, no? Uh, Yeah, I will be. I will find, I will be watching it in some way, shape, or form. Um, but it, yeah, I, and we will definitely be reacting to it next week, um, reacting to what we saw and what we thought, but, you know, I don't think we're going to get anything that we can draw any sort of huge conclusion from, but we're going to get a look at what has been going on behind the curtains for the last few weeks. And that's really exciting to me, honestly. Yeah, I I could not agree with you if more if I wanted to. And that sort of falls back to, to the whole mistake thing is like once once you get to game two and you see the adjustments that Pep Guardiola will then have made based on game one. Like, I think that that's when each of these games are going to feature another adjustment, another adjustment, another adjustment, and until Guardiola has 
what he believes to be structurally. And he, he changed his personnel a lot at Bayern. I mean, he wasn't afraid to mix it up over there. But generally speaking, he liked to have a core group of guys playing and, and keep that small squad. Um, I, I'm sort of excited to see that process of, of tweaking, 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 uh, one more tweak. All right. This is what I think works the best, you know, and, and mistakes are going to bring us to the next phase of that in, in week two. It's going to be the next set of tinkering, and then we'll see, okay, how do, how does what we're seeing in game two resonate with what our assessment of what they were trying to do in game one was, if that makes sense? Like, we'll know how far away or on the line we are with, with with what our expectations were for this Guardiola team. Right. So um, we'll be, yeah. Um, go ahead. Did you have something else? No, I was just going to say, I just, you know, just wanted to do that one last topic before right, we I was, get out before, of here. Close. I'll just let you run with this because it was something you wanted to bring up with regards to the transfer market. So I'm just going to turn this over to you and let you run with it before we close this out. Well, I, I thought that Asan on on the last City Watch podcast with with Pitt got Chuck where he was talking to him, um, uh, who works for Build um, about. Uh, the the Sene transfer saga and what he expected and, and sort of got a, a behind-the-scenes look at what's been going on through the eyes of Pitt. And he they got on the discussion of the price and, and he kept reiterating throughout the interview that, you know, he believes the deal will get done and that Schalke will get their 50 you know, million euros as they expect to get for Sine and the whole time makes on, you can see him thinking like, well, I think City will negotiate a better deal, but this guy is so confident in, in the fact that Schalke were, were going to, to push this thing, uh, to their assessment of, of, of what their, to whatever they believe their assessment of Sine is rather than what City's assessment of Sine is. Because clubs are aware internationally uh, the type of money that the Premier League is raking in. It's almost like the NBA with these contracts uh, that some players are getting. Um, it's not quite nearly as bad as China, which just made Graziano Pele the sixth highest paid player in the world. But there are major sums of money to be made in England at Premier League clubs uh, because the money is so high there. Um, but one of the fallbacks to that, as, as I was saying, is that clubs like Schalke look at City and say, no, if you want him, you're going to pay our 50 million euro assessment. Whereas if Bayern came in 
I imagine that the deal would get done for substantially cheaper, as they tend to. I mean, Byron would still pay them probably like 37, 38, maybe even up to like 40 with with add-ons and incentives, maybe 42. But I don't think that they would come come to, up to the 50 that Schalke are expecting. But Schalke are going to put a gun to City's head and likely make them pay that, um, even though Sine has told them he wants to leave. Schalke are going to be like, well, look, dude, we've got you under contract, and uh, if you want to leave, then City, you, bet, you best tell City to fork out the cash that we want. <clears throat> so I want to ask you, Gray, First of all, well, let's just start here, and then I'll ask you another question. Do you believe that there was merit to ASON's point, that there seems to be the one transfer market for every other European club, and then another transfer market for Premier League clubs? Yes. And, frankly, I don't blame any club that does that. It's prudent business. Well, put a pin in that. Put a pin in that. Uh, Yeah, okay, okay. But, yeah, the answer to your question is yes. Okay. So then now I guess the second question becomes this. Obviously, you started to talk about the fact that you don't begrudge any club that does this. Frankly, I don't either at all. It's it's business. You'd be stupid not to. Um, if, If the Premier League want to keep their managers happy, all these immensely, uh, and very overpaid managers, um, if they want them to produce the type of results that these club owners are expecting, then they are going to have to surround them with players capable of doing that. Uh, And if you expect to compete in Europe, then obviously you're going to have to have world-class talent or at least pretty dang good talent. Um. And, and, and a proper coach, as you see with uh, Atletico Madrid. So uh, I don't begrudge the clubs this, but I guess the question I would ask you is this. How long do you think this would continue or will continue? And what sort of – because every action has an equal and opposite reaction – what then are English clubs going to turn around and do as a tit for tat with these smaller clubs? Because you know something is coming. That's a really good question. I mean, the bubble is going to burst eventually. It always does, inevitably does. And, you know, I could see, you know, after a few years of this, it's not going to happen immediately because it just it will take it's not enough time. But it if after a few years of this, once the money to foreign clubs starts to be spread around, I think there may be a degree of inflation there. Like, well, you just sold a player for sixty million euros. You want my player? All right, let's have some of that. And I think you know at a certain point enough players are going to get transferred into the Premier League that the, that the selling clubs who are going to have to bring in replacements 
And the clubs they're bringing in the replacements from are like, well, you just sold a player for 60 million euros. So you can clearly afford to uh, pay us pretty penny for this guy. I think, obviously, the money's never going to spread around to the fact that it's going to be equal footing. But at some point, especially as the Champions League revenues keep going up too, there's going to become a point where um, uh, clubs in other leagues, I think, are going to start saying, well, you've sort of latched onto that money train. Let's get some. Have at it. You got. You want our player? Pay up. I can see that happening within a few years. So, in the event that that then does happen, do you then think that, I mean, at, at a certain point, one would expect, like you say, this is this is going to bust. What do you think would be the catalyst to cause this thing to bust? Like, where, what places so much strain on the dam that it eventually cracks? Because the Premier League's not going to say, oh, we want to stop making more money because, you know, clubs are overcharging us. Just give us a normal television deal, not, not, not a $200 billion one. We'll just take a normal one. Like, that's never going to happen. So we know that the money is going to keep coming in. And if we're being honest, at an international level, the Premier League is the only league of the big leagues that is worth watching on a week-to-week basis. Simply because La La Liga has and continues to be a two-horse race. It just always is a two-horse race. No matter what, each year, Barca, Real Madrid, and I know Atletico are sprinkled in there. Excuse me, hold on. I just needed a sip of water. I know Atletico are sprinkled in there, but... We generally know that most years it's it's going to be Barca and Real Madrid. Um, to quote Jose Mourinho about our manager, um, apparently a kit man can win the league in Bayern, um, even though prior to Pep's arrival, and I, I hate the fact that this has never been brought up, even Bayern, in all their might, had never won Bundesliga three years in a row. Pep is the only person to have ever accomplished that in the Bundesliga. And yet, somehow, that goes unnoticed. Um, but most years, Bayern does win the league. Um, then you have Juventus, who I think being champions and, and having like doubles and domestic troubles or whatever for uh, the past five years proves that uh, Serie A has a lot of catching up to do. And then don't even get me started on Liga. Like, I'm just not going to waste my time with it. There's no point. Uh, the, The Premier League is really the only league worth watching for casual fans 
on a week-to-week basis, people are going to get tired of seeing, you know, Barca hang eight on the Granadas of the world when Stoke City and Sunderland are playing a 5-4 classic. So I guess I'm just curious, you know, what is what would be the event that sort of evens this all out? Like, I mean, is it just going to simply be the fact that players maybe agitate and push for a move more and start to get pissed with clubs who drag out uh, protracted transfer negotiations rather than allowing them to get move on because they're trying to build clubs out of every less penny? What do you think is could be this, that that stress fracture? I don't know. I mean, I think if it gets unbalanced enough, UEFA will step in. But I'm not sure it ever, you know. As long the Barca's and the Real Madrids of the world are still going to be able to afford everything that they want within reason. So are PSG. So are and the, the top clubs are going to be able even in leagues outside of England, generally, they're going to be able to afford the players they want. So I think it becomes incumbent on the leagues to do something. And didn't La Liga just get a new TV deal that's actually fair? Or was I mis- mistaken on hearing about that? Uh, or, you, know, my roommate, you know, my roommate asked me the exact same thing the other day, and I didn't look it up. I probably should have. But I, but I think that with all that's going on in Spain with regards to, you know, I mean, Messi getting sentenced and such, I'm probably reasonably sure that they got that thing sorted out. Enough, enough public ado was made about, uh, and, 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 and if we're, if we're being intellectually honest from a competitive standpoint, it was straight up BS that they were making that much money and every other club was getting pennies on the dollar. That's, that's unacceptable, man. You, you've got to have better equity, I think. Right. So I think in situations like that, it becomes incumbent on the league to, you know, to figure out, well, because ultimately it's bad for their product, it's bad for their business if the same team, you know, people just aren't tuning in. If there's a reason that, you know, speaking as an American, there's a reason that the Premier League laps every other league in America because you don't actually know who's going to win it before the season starts. And, you know, every I, people watch Real Madrid and Barca, but, you know, n- nobody else. You'll see a lot of English teams represented in America as far as fandoms go, but you don't really see that from Spain or Germany or, excuse me, or um, France or Italy. So I think it's the leagues want to, and this is about branding, and it starts to get into economics, which I But didn't France have their league wrapped up by, like, March? I believe that when City and Paris Saint-Germain played... In the Champions League last year, PSG had already won the league. Yeah, but, I mean, what's even the point? What's even the point of watching that? Exactly. And like I said, this gets into, like, league branding and economics and a bunch of other stuff that, uh, you know, I get but I don't get. But it's about if the leagues want 
to enhance and grow their brand globally, they have to present a better product. The Premier League right now presents the best product for a global audience. The Spanish League does when Barca and Real Madrid are playing each other. But, you know, as you said, there's not really a lot of intrigue watching Barcelona put eight past Granada. Um, Italy, you know, there's some competitive teams in Italy, but you know who's going to win the league. Um, it's, it's, and all those other leagues are relegated to, uh, to be in sport here. So, and the other thing with Italy, too, is with the other major clubs, where do you see relief from Juventus's stranglehold in the future? Like, Inter Milan is an utter disaster right now. AC Milan is, has been sort of a cluster. Um, it, it, there just seem to be problems with a, a lot of Italian clubs. And, and so even if you wanted to, to, to look at Serie A, which I think is probably closer to having more parity than any of the other leagues are, um, Juventus is still so far ahead of everyone else that, that I don't know, like there's just no faith in the fact that these quite obviously poorly run clubs, though, uh, didn't, uh, was it, was it, uh, uh, Inter that just got sold? Yeah, they have Chinese investment involved now, I believe. Okay, so, yeah, maybe they will, uh, maybe they'll end up, you know, taking a turn for the better, but, when when I look around the Premier League, here's the other problem I have, you know, when you watch, you know, Fox Sports, because they're the ones with the Bundesliga rights, they don't even really do a decent job of their own product. Like, they rarely seem to pick the top games to show you. It's always some weird match. Um, and granted, they'll show you a lot of Bayern, but, but, uh, it's just, I don't know, if you look at how good NBC is with the Premier League and everything that they do around it, whether it's the Premier League downloads or, uh, the, the, the two Robbies podcast or, or whatever the case may be, there's just so much more production in everything they do. And you have the ability to watch all of the different games, provided you have the channels. You can catch all the games because NBC has a channel for each game. You just have to, to subscribe to a certain package. So it, I, I, I just don't feel like there's even any other league set up in a commercial market sense to take on the Premier League in any capacity, even even the Bundesliga with Fox. I don't know how the TV windows work in Germany. I imagine that Fox is dependent on that to sort of figure out who they're showing. I, I know how they work in England. I don't know how they work in Germany. But um, yeah, I think, like I said, these leagues have to figure out, well, are we really comfortable with this? And I don't know what they would do to combat it if they aren't 
But, you know, at some point, you have to worry about your brand. And if your brand is basically PSG and Bayern running the running the t- riot every year, then, you know, this is – you have to accept, is this what you want or do you want to do something about it? And I don't know what they would do. But that's basically – I think that's that's the buck stops there, basically. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's it's. I mean, we're not going to know anytime soon. These are the sorts of things that are that are going to reveal themselves over the course of many, many, many years. I just thought it would be sort of fun to to take a stab at prognostication and then look back on this and and see like, wow, we were mis- miserably wrong. Who could have ever predicted that Ronaldo removing his shirt would be the reason that 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 uh, that that law was passed to protect English clubs from being overcharged? Like I'm waiting for like UEFA or some you know to 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 come in and step in with like a Kelly Blue Book. Like this, this is the valuation of players and. If if you charge a team more than fifteen percent, uh, you know, from this value, then you will be in violation. Like, I'm half expecting some stupid rule like that down the line. Yeah, and I don't I don't know what's going to happen, but um, nobody yeah, does. Nobody, nobody does. does. Oh, I I do know that Jose Mourinho will probably get fired within three years. Yeah, that seems like a good bet. And before I forget this, I did look it up. Um, the seeded teams in the Champions League playoff draw are Manchester City, Porto, Villarreal, Shakhtar Donetsk, and Ajax. None of them can play each other. So there you go. Which, you know, that's... Uh... That's a healthy, healthy, very healthy list of opponents that we cannot that we cannot have as a potential stumbling block for reaching the Champions League. Uh, so, so that'll be uh, music to some city fans' ears if they if they'd not already known that. Yeah, and they among the opponents, and this is from a while ago, so I don't know if any of these people have been knocked out yet, but. The likes of uh, Roma, Monaco, Fenerbahce, Anderlecht, and uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach could be in that Which, draw. You know, is still a healthy list of in- yeah. impressive opponents. But then oh, it has, also... to be, has to be taken seriously. Yeah. I mean, um, it's, maybe I suppose there's a possibility that we can get the Lincoln Red Imps after they knock out Celtic and Brendan Rodgers. That would be... <laughs> I fancy a trip to Gibraltar. Yeah, I would be all right with that. Um, but unless you have yeah. anything else to add, I think we have covered. No, uh, I yeah. just wanted to get in that shot at Brendan Rodgers. Oh, yeah. That, that was... The Brodge. That's perfectly all right. Oh, so. no, I, I would, I would just say that the the only thing that I would have to add is that I cannot wait till tomorrow uh, for American viewers. Uh, what time is the game? Uh, I think it's eleven thirty Eastern, right? Oh, it's later than that. I looked this up yesterday and I've already forgotten. Um, <laughs> 
it was, <coughs> excuse me, it was, it was in the afternoon, shoot, well, all right, while I looked this up, let me do the administrative thing, um, tomorrow, 11.30 a.m., is that Pacific. it? Yep. Pacific. Okay, so that would be 2.30, 11, 12, yeah, 2.30, 2.30 Eastern Time, if you're in America. I think it might actually be 2.45, just the way they do that. Oh, no, it is 14.30. All right, yeah, 2.30. So if you're an American and you would like to watch, you'll probably need the Internet, but 2.30 Eastern Time, 11.30 Pacific. As for us, we are on Twitter, um, at America Citizens, not American, America, because Twitter. America Citizens. All, all one, no spaces, no underscores, no nothing. City with um, a Y, city with a Y. City with a Y, city then. And we are, we tweet frequently, both of us. And it's up to you to guess which one of us it is. So have fun. Yeah, well, I was going to say we could potentially uh, use identifiers in the future, but I kind of like but the, where's the is, where's is, the, yeah. Where's the fun in that? Yeah, we totally tell you there will only ever be two of us tweeting from that account, so it's your yeah. job to guess who's who. It's, it's, and then if you keep track and you guess the most correctly, you will not win any sort of prize except bragging rights to your friends. You will win the prize of being mentioned on the podcast. It is a completely worthless gift. It's right <laughs> up. It's right up there. It's not even like on the same level as like the golden sliming that Kobe got at the Kids Choice Awards. Like that has more significance than than anything we would do. It's it's like receiving socks for Christmas. Mm, mm. Or underwear that don't fit. Yeah, but, but if you're yeah. if you're into that sort of thing, by we all will means. be live tweeting the game tomorrow. That's for sure. I know I will we be will. watching. And um, and we'll we also have our personal accounts, which are in the bio of that Twitter account. So you're welcome to follow both of us as well. If you like the LA Rams or the Detroit Tigers, if you don't, you should probably just stick to the to the podcast Twitter. We won't be offended. Yeah, I I. Dude, honestly, I would actually go as far as to recommend not really following me if if <laughs> if you live across the pond. Uh, but if you happen to be an American citizen, uh, city fan, then yeah, Gray and I are 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 of some worth in in the American sports arena. But if you live across the pond, oh man, I could imagine being the most annoying follow ever. Yeah. Well, all right, that covers us this week. Remember, next week we will have David Mooney from the Blue Moon Podcast and ESPNFC on. You will want to come back for that. Until then, enjoy the week, and we will speak to you next week, and thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe to us on iTunes or on blogspotradio.com. Thanks for your support, and we'll talk to you again soon.